0: On this episode, I deliver one of my best performances yet, and I talk about the future of education. So hang tight, adjust those headphones, and let's dive in. Please hold while I locate your information. Three, two, one, zero, 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 zero. This episode has been brought to you thanks to beanbags. I totally wouldn't have stayed put to finish this episode without those heavenly inventions. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Velcro. I'm your host, Ali Darwish. And before I begin, I wanted to thank everyone that listened to my first episode and reached out to me. I am absolutely humbled by the amount of positive feedback that I've received, and I promise to do my best to keep at it. Okay, I can't get over the fact that these spinning fidgets are everywhere. And now the craze seems to be shifting from spinners to rollers. Like wow, 21st century inventions keep getting better. And the thing is, the Singaporeans' fidgeting is not new at all. They've always seemingly had these tendencies. And all you need to do is just stand at a traffic light. And I guarantee you, two out of three times, there will be someone pressing that push to walk button, you know, for pedestrian crossing, and he's going like (coughs) non-stop. So yeah, you're supposed to click it once for the traffic light to turn red and stop traffic. But for some reason, someone convinced people that clicking it 40 times will make it go faster. So yeah, we live in an interesting world. But what bothers me most is whether we like it or not, these fidget kids are the future. You know how people always say children are the future. And that statement is basically a fact. It's something that we probably came up with to encourage us to have kids. You know, a lot of us probably live through life without finding a meaningful purpose to it. So it makes perfect sense to place all our bets on our children. They would be our greatest asset. You'd raise a kid well, and hopefully they'd go on to change the world. And my question is, when did we, the millennials, stop being children? Have we become the future already? Hmm, no one ever told me that. Anyways, moving on. So if you've watched the most recent X-Men movie, which is the apocalypse, in the end, Jennifer Lawrence comes up and she says a very interesting statement. Forget everything you think you know, whatever lessons you learned in school, whatever your parents taught you, none of that matters. You're not kids anymore, you're not students, you're X-Men. Yeah, so I wish someone had told me that from like day one so I wouldn't be stressing and studying so hard at school for no reason. Because at the end of the day I'll end up being an X-Man, but yeah, jokes aside. You see, 20 years ago, there was no internet. There were no emojis, no dabs, and God knows how much everything will change in another 20 years. So how can we prepare students to a future that we don't even know? (laughs) I don't don't know. So in this episode, I wanna talk about accelerated learning, personalized learning, and future trends in education. You see, the internet is already changing how we learn. Today, websites like Khan Academy, Coursera, EDX and even Nefham from Egypt are putting forward so much content online that you'll be able to find the best lectures in the world and for free. What would it cost? Cost? Cost who? The the people. Well, nothing. We're going to give them away free. And that, my friend, is more powerful than a knowledge base of any single university. But the thing is, education hasn't changed much over the course of the past 50 years. My point isn't that our education systems are reluctant to change. But one thing is a fact, students hate it. I vividly recall how much I hated myself every single morning to be dragged out of bed to go to school. I don't wanna to go to school. And I was that front row nerd in class, so I don't even know what the rest of the airheads in my classroom felt like. And that's exactly the reason why someone like Elon Musk decided to set up his own school for his kids. He wanted to make schools fun again, add an element of gamification to the learning process, teach problem solving rather than just focus on the tools that solve these problems. And that's also the reason someone like Mark Zuckerberg would fund a new type of school creating a buzz in Silicon Valley called Alt School. So these guys raised $133 million from people like Zuckerberg, Andreessen Horowitz, and Peter Thiel. So this out-school is a different type of school, or so they say. It was founded back in 2013 by an ex-Google head. And basically they're betting on an educational philosophy known as student-centered learning. Kids basically pursue their own interests, at their own pace, and there's no such thing as a grade. So your child is not in grade 3 or grade 4 per se. but. Let's say they're good in science, so they can probably advance and take science of a sixth grader, but let's say they're struggling in math, so they're probably still stuck in math of a third grader and so on. And it's all connected, so teachers would basically have a big ass spreadsheet at the back end to monitor the progress of each student across all subjects and lessons, creating these detailed report cards. But the thing is, they're still tied down as a school because their curriculum has to abide to the government standards to make sure that certain understandings of topics are established. Because there are certain topics and concepts that students are supposed to master by the end of each grade according to the government. You can't escape me, Simpson. You're not smart enough. Yes, I am. So yeah, seems like we can't escape the system, which brings us to a point. Shouldn't governments revisit these standards of what a core syllabus should look like? Why do we need to confine our students if they can learn more? So let me put it this way, a lot of universities now are considering making their degrees into three years instead of four. So students would be encouraged to finish early and thus start paying off their debts earlier. So there definitely is a correlation between the shortening of the time to take a degree and the money spent. So I'm not really asking to question the gains that we've reached in the past decade, but I'm asking to question our mishaps and mistakes. So anyways, going back. So at School each student receives an iPad or a Chromebook and they get a weekly playlist of lessons tailored for them. So one student may pick math over reading, another may pick music or art and so on. And the whole classroom in old school is set to look very different to what we're used to seeing. So when you walk through the door, you'll notice that you won't find your traditional stacked chairs and desks and so on. But instead, you'll find couches and beanbags and tables grouped together. And dangling from the ceiling, you'd find a network of white audio recorders and fisheye lens cameras for surveillance. So teachers can re-watch the lesson later on and see what worked and what didn't. So my issue with this is, we don't always just learn from our teachers as much as we learn from our fellow colleagues and friends and students that surround us in class. And that might be one of the mistakes we're making here. We're looking at the future of education only by saying how technology can improve the process, but not by saying how can we improve teaching on a whole, with technology taking an integral part of the solution. So I believe students learn adversity and diversity from others. Without that experience of diversity and different views, we would only be teaching hate. And that's the thing. Is the future of education so enclosed and just a one-to-one experience with the screen? Or is the social network effect an important element to be introduced as well? It makes it more fun and impactful. We live in the 21st century and we need to teach our kids the skills of tomorrow with more than half of the children now entering schools expected to work in jobs that don't yet exist. And that makes adaptability key. The World Economic Forum conducted a research recently and they found that there are 16 skills required by students for the 21st century, 12 of which are social and emotional learning skills, those skills other than reading, writing and arithmetic. So we need to focus more on those ones. We need to teach students how to approach challenges. Teach them critical thinking, communication, collaboration, those skills that build character like taking initiative, persistence, leadership. These are the stuff that we lack. And correct me if I'm wrong, but these skills can only be developed by group discussions. Maybe I'm still old fashioned, but this might mean that it would happen only in an offline world or maybe even a VR world. But these skills don't just develop in the classroom, but outside, in field trips, in camps, in projects. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that technology is bad, not at all. It's actually pushing us forward, it's helping accelerate learning in ways that we've never known before. But what I'm trying to say is that technology isn't everything, and we need to step back and take a holistic view on the whole process. In 1922, Edison came out and he said, I believe that the motion picture is destined to revolutionize our educational system, and that in a few years, it will supplant largely, if not entirely, the use of textbooks. He then went on to say that the education of the future, as I see it, will be conducted through the medium of the motion picture, where it should be possible to obtain 100% efficiency, instead of just 2% from schoolbooks. As much as that is very true, as much as I think we need to balance this equation, as one-way learning isn't always enough. We learn from interaction, we learn when we ask questions. The other thing that comes to mind is with regards to trusting a student's interests. In other words, does the individual natural selection of courses and subjects based on a person's interests always work? So let's say if a student is basically free to choose whichever topic his or her interests lead them to and continue thereon on that path, is that the right way to teach? So do students need a better way for inspiration or is it enough to get inspiration and guidance from a computer or a program? Should they learn what makes them happy or what makes them curious and interest them or should they learn what the future needs and wants so they can potentially find jobs? Or even in other words, should we design our software and engineer it in a way to manipulate students' decisions, to influence them to pick certain topics over others? You see, learning is a lot like a torrent file being downloaded. Learning doesn't happen in a linear path. It's very scattered. You pick up concepts from here and there and all over. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It depends on the learner and the situation, obviously. Another question comes to mind here and is there a sort of order needed to ensure an accelerated path for learning or can we teach our AI systems to optimize on this path and not just follow blindly the student's interests? And in this scenario, I'm kind of reminded of the YouTube recommendation engine where it recommends you lessons or videos based on what you've watched before and based on what they think would be interesting for you. But I think we need to add one more level of complexity, which is the flow. When you're learning, you need to understand which and what piece comes first. And the thing is, students are different. Some learn from reading, some from watching videos, others from doing something with their hands, others maybe from peer-to-peer work. So the spectrum is very, very broad. And all this leads us to a bigger question. If everything is done digitally and online, is there a possibility that we would replace teachers in the near future by AI and robots? And it's not strange at all that I'm reminded by one of my favorite childhood cartoons, The Jetsons. where it depicts the story of a family living in the year 2062. They're surrounded by robots and curious inventions. And the son, which is Elroy, had a robot teacher. But to be honest, I still see the teacher as an irreplaceable part to the learning process. Not because AI can't perform what it's designed to do, but it's exactly that. It can and it does it very well, but in a learning environment that simply isn't enough. Because you need to still spur creativity and inspiration, and all that needs a human touch, a human element. And I think with the introduction of automation into the teacher's life, it would free them from mundane tasks and increase the number of hours that they spend with the student, or even his parents. And that is very important because the number of students are increasing in certain parts of the world, and that's adding a great additional stress to the system. There are definitely hundreds of methods out there to help us accelerate our learning, but I think we also need to find methods to help us register these concepts. Let's face it, by the time we graduate, we probably forgot like 90% of what we've learned, other than the fact that it might be irrelevant, but still. I was also digging around and back in 1965, a well-known Sunday feature comic strip under the name of Our New Age. It featured a robot or what they called an auto tutor that was teaching students in what they thought a modern day classroom. But it doesn't even stop there. It even claimed that it could even teach workers to use other automated machines. So AI teaching you AI. And there was a writing on the side of the comic saying, compressed speech, it will help communications basically claimed that future school children may hear their lessons at twice the rate and understand them better and off dangling from the ceiling was headphones to each student. So bear in mind that was a comic strip back from 1965. Fast forward to today and that future has still not yet become a reality. However, the concept has sort of been validated with startups like Spritz. So what they do is that they show you content on a stream. Let's say you're reading a book. They remove all the words from the page and only show you one word at a time. So words are positioned in a special way on your screen that your eyes don't need to move around. So your brain can digest and comprehend that content immediately. And amazingly, normal people can start reading at 250 words per minute or even faster. So all these methods and tricks could be part of what the future of education might look like. Accelerated learning could potentially help us mentally age or mature faster, make us smarter. Oh, oh very funny. Haha, ha, very droll. Okay, maybe not smarter. Yeah, whatever. So, one of the biggest downsides of group learning is that you're only able to learn as fast as the slowest learner in the group. And that is something that we probably have all experienced at a certain point in time in a classroom or a group training or whatever. But with the power of the internet, each student is guaranteed a personalized experience. You can repeat the lesson 10 times if you want, and no one's gonna know. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about, and a lot of people neglect when they talk about education, is the hidden cost of distraction. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter by the minute. I suffer from short-term memory loss. (sighs) Don't you just love Dory? Yeah. What was I saying? Yeah attention spans. So, with the introduction of microlearning, technology has been doing great progress to keep us engaged. Microlearning is learning in short, focused bursts of information. Think of it as flashcards. You learn in bite-sized form. Take Duolingo, for instance, the famous language teaching app. It breaks down words and concepts into tiny bite-sized cards to make it easier to digest. And that's exactly what we need because some researchers claim that the average human has an attention span of eight seconds that's one two three yeah you get the point so in a world where we consume content in status updates and tweets like 140 characters it makes absolute sense that our educational content would be distributed in the same micro manner But not just that but the future of education is probably going to be dominated by mobile as billions of new mobile users come online and micro learning concepts are optimal to learning on a small mobile screen and device you see i can keep talking about this forever but the beauty about all this is that we aren't completely starting from scratch so we can learn from countries like singapore so according to the pisa exam or the pisa exam which is basically a program for international student assessment globally. It's basically a standardized test given to 15 year olds in more than 40 global venues. So the test revealed that Singapore outperforms all other participating countries in science and math. So, yeah, Majula Singapura. So as much as I love this place, but as much as I can see that Singaporean students are far from happy. They're just outperforming their current system, which is good and bad. Because their parents force them to study hard, so it's not an option. They have to perform. It's very competitive out there. But we can also learn from Finland. So they don't have any standardized tests in Finland. So apart from one exam and the end of senior year in high school, that's it. There are no rankings, no comparisons, and no competition between students or schools. Students are encouraged to spend more time outside and explore. And homework is minimal. Sounds pretty awesome to me. But we also need to learn from our mistakes. The PISA exam is just a test and rankings are just rankings. In Korea, for instance, they rank high. But private tutoring there dominates the system and they call these academies hog ones. So simple explanation why hog ones or private tutoring works in a lot of the countries worldwide is because it's private, so teachers are subject to market forces. So if students score low, teachers get fired. It's as simple as that. If they score high, salaries go up and teachers get bonus. So we need to revisit the government system. And since we're talking about the future, a few possibilities come to mind. First. The majority of people in the world might be living in urban areas going forward. And this urbanization trend might change elements in the schooling system, how it looks like and where it's located. And the other thing is maybe we need new business models for schools to be more inclusive. Why does the norm have to be that the government is handling the schooling system and only the rich are able to provide for their kids a better opportunity for a better schooling system? When we talk about the future, we think of how we can give people a sense of purpose. Well, perhaps education is the solution. One of the importance of education in schools is simply if you're in school or in college, you're not elsewhere committing a crime. While this may seem as a very basic or primitive way of viewing the benefits of education, but maybe that's because you were probably privileged and brought up in a good family and surrounded by great support. So I fear that going forward with the diminishing of schools in the current form that we know, we would also be creating a one-size-fits-all across all nations, developed and emerging markets, thinking that they're all the same when they're not. You see, the way I see it is me and you are a product of a dysfunctional system, yet we have to acknowledge that we did come out to be alright. At least I think so. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a long way to go to improve. Remember that kids hang on to every statement that we make. So imagine how much we're affecting their lives by sending them to a schooling system that consumes some 30 to 40 hours of their life every single week. That's a lot of time spent with teachers and colleagues that parents sometimes don't even know. To me, a complete educational system has technology as an integral part of it, but it's not everything. We still have to put into consideration a child's diet and even sleeping habits. Sleep is important. The first hours of sleep in the early evening are important for retaining facts. So if they're studying vocab, it's good to go to bed early. But to conclude, I personally am optimistic about our future. I believe that a hybrid model shall exist between the digital classroom and the physical, reaching a point where the best of both worlds meet, making teachers a little bit like a cyborg because leaving AI to handle education on its own might not just be enough. But let's face it, current school systems aren't equipped to making changes swiftly, nor even measuring the effects of those changes after they're done. So humanity needs bold thinkers, people like Elon Musk thinking forward. For all we know in the future, we'll be able to genetically increase our intelligence or use artificial enzymes to speed it up. I just hope we don't use it for evil intent. And something that stuck with me over time was Walt Disney was accredited with the inspirational quote of, think, believe, dream, and dare. And that's exactly what we should be doing. But before I go, I wanted to end with a snippet from the book, Utopia for Realists. And it says, I believe in a future where the value of work is not determined by the size of your paycheck, but by the amount of happiness you spread and the amount of meaning you give. I believe in a future where the point of education is not to prepare you for another useless job, but for a life well lived. I believe in a future where jobs are for robots and life is for people. This episode is dedicated to my parents, and especially my dad, my greatest mentor, my life teacher, and an amazing father. I wanted to wish him a great and happy year ahead. We're miles away, but I just wanted to say that you're always close to me and in my heart. May God bless you with good health, happiness, and keep you safe forever. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already subscribed on Apple Podcasts, please hit that subscribe button. And I'd even appreciate it if you gave it a rating and shared it with your friends. So till we meet again, see you.